If you have your Bible today, you can go, to, go ahead and turn to John 12, and then we're going to be in 1 Samuel 14. So we'll start in John 12, and we'll go to 1 Samuel 14. But is it okay if I just talk to you for a few minutes about a few things? Is that okay? How many parents of teenagers do we have in the room? Got a few. How many parents of these young ones that are going up to children's church do we have in the room? You guys kind of raise your hands. Amen. I want to talk specifically to you. Lee and I have been here for six years coming up in April. And one thing that we felt like was a mandate from the Lord when we came to rejuvenate this church and for it to be all that God desired for it to be, it's very important for us to pour a lot of resources, a lot of time, a lot of energy into our kids' church and our our teen ministry, our youth ministry. We're in transition there right now. And our nursery, we started actually in the nursery and just kind of said, you know what, let's get a background check, paid person, and let's rotate them. So I'm saying all this because we need your guys' help as parents. We, some things have been brought to my attention over the last few weeks. This includes youth group, and I had a long talk with the teens last Sunday. Uh, probably put a little too much fear into them than I maybe should have in the moment. But when I get reports that our young people are being disrespectful, you can be assured that pastor is going to get up the next Sunday and deal with that, okay? We have volunteers, and we have worked very hard to train those volunteers to, to uh, instill in them what we desire for the vision of this church. And it's really tough to volunteer for an area of ministry when you're constantly having to discipline kids, right? That goes for youth. That goes for nursery. Just, just by way of pastor saying it, and I may say this a couple more times over the next couple Sundays with different people being out today. But in the nursery, we, if you want to bring your child and go and sit to get them settled, we perfectly understand that. But we do not want it to be six or seven adults and seven or eight kids. We don't have the room for it. Amen? Amen. So I'm asking you to help us with that. It's a staff-trained nursery team that works in there. We're putting volunteers in there because we do have a lot of kids. The last few Sundays, my understanding is we have seven or eight little ones in the nursery. We have between 25 and 30 kids upstairs. I know last week we had probably over 30 teens. So the church has grown, amen? And with that growth comes an understanding that is talking to Leah, and she's up in the children's church today. What could possibly happen, and we're doing this in each area, whether it be the teens or it be in children's church, and it's this. The teacher is going to tell the child that we aren't going to accept that kind of behavior, and what we're going to begin to do is just bring the child or the team back to you and let you parent. Amen? Amen. So uh, my point in saying all that is don't be shocked if you get a, a text. We're going to set up a text system, get everybody's number. We're going to communicate from the upstairs to downstairs with minimal uh, disruption to the service in here. But you'll get a text, and please, parents, don't be on your phone on Facebook. Amen? Amen. But you are going to get a text. So just come help us deal with the situation. Does that sound good? The more it grows, and my concern is this. This is my concern as a pastor, is we have, say, 25 kids that are up there for the right reasons, and they want to hear the Word of God. I'm not going to let one, two, or three ruin that, okay? So here's my next thing that I want to ask you to do. If you get upset because little Timmy or Jimmy got put out of children's church or little Sally, you come talk to me. Okay? Please don't bring that to my wife. Please don't bring that to any of the teachers. They're volunteering. We have selected them. They have volunteered to do this. We've trained them. So if there's any issue, please come to me. Amen? Amen. All right. You guys ready for the word? All right. 1 John 
chapter 12. We're going to go to that scripture in just a minute. But over my lifetime, one of my favorite authors is a man by the name of A.W. Tozer. Do I have any other Tozer fans in here? I figured there'd be quite a few. He's an awesome man of God. But I read a quote one time that kind of set my course for what I want to talk about in the house of the Lord today. And it's this. Go to church once a week and nobody pays attention. Live for God seven days a week and you become strange to people. Amen? And I want to talk today about this subject. How we can be sometimes waiting on God. And God is on the other end waiting on us to take a step of faith. Amen? Listen, God will direct your steps, but you have to move your feet. I've learned that in my spiritual life, walking with the Lord for a long time. Is sometimes we get comfortable. Everybody say comfortable. comfortable. And this may be a subject today that you're sitting there already saying, I know pastors talked to this, about this subject a hundred times. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to talk about it a hundred more. Because I think one of the worst things we can do is become comfortable in our spiritual lives. To become the type of Christian that says, I checked off the box that I went to church this week. And listen, coming to church is important. Faithfulness to the house is important. Amen? Very important in your spiritual growth. But if you want to be consistently uh, coming against the enemy in a way that's effective, in a way that God wants us to, we have to grow to ever-increasing levels of faith and not get parked in one place, but continually be pushing ourselves into greater things of God. If If I could say anything about the last few months, I can say this with a lot of confidence. God wants us to see a harvest in the community of Homosassa, Florida. God wants to pour out His Spirit like never before. God's power is available for us to accomplish that task, but it's not going to happen if we live comfortable or we are not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in this season. God desires to speak to His people in a very profound way in the season that we're in. And when I say moving to more and moving into greater levels of faith in God... Oftentimes we can kind of say, okay, I know he just talked about children's church. Maybe he's, he's, he's talking about children's church. I'm talking about every area of your life, including ministry. Because oftentimes we take our children's church teachers and we, we do. We say, well, you're kind of a glorified you know, babysitter for the next 45 minutes. Listen, if you're a children's church teacher in this house, you're instilling the word of God in our most precious commodity, the next generation. If we look at the problems in our world today, it's not because the world's gone crazy, it's because the church is ineffective. And I will not pastor an ineffective church. I want people that are filled with God, have purpose and vision from God, and understand the times and the seasons that we are living in. It's not time to play patty cake with the enemy. It's time to live separated from the world and not get camped out in a place of comfort and a comfort zone. Because the voice of God is speaking so clearly. If you're on this worship team, listen, it's not just about playing a piano or drums or guitar or singing. You are ushering in the presence of God. That is your role. That is your assignment from the Lord. Everybody say more. More. God has more for this church. God has more for His people. But I, I came this morning to teach you a key to the more that God has for you just because the call has gone out for God, to, for, for God to pull us in deeper. The call has gone out for us to go to a new place in prayer. A new place, as I'm teaching this morning, that I pray supernaturally happens. A new place of hearing the voice of God in your life because He wants to lead you with His voice. And sometimes I think we kind of get caught in a place in our lives 
where we don't understand the economy of God when it comes to the kingdom of God. Oftentimes we think, well, I've got to do this big grand venture for God, or I have to do this big grand, you know, if I'm not behind a pulpit or a piano, or if I'm not greeting at the door, or whatever it is, then I don't really have anything to get. I think we would be shocked at understanding God's economy of the kingdom of heaven. If God said that a glass of cold, a glass of water given in the name of the prophet doesn't go without a prophet's reward, what I could get concerned about with us as Christians, including myself, is the fact that the economy of God is it's the very little things that we do consistently every single day and loving on people, witnessing to people, reaching out to people. You know, we'll say we'll go to church, but here's where I want you to go. More to you maybe go talk to your neighbor. Amen? Because, and this is, a, this is not a perfect illustration, but I think it illustrates maybe what I'm talking about. Many years ago, 2016, I've shared this before, but 2016 we flooded in our community, we had between we had about three foot of water in our house. My mother-in-law had a six foot of water in her house. Very, very bad flood. But a little car that I had that I really just used to take the kids to school and I drove my place of employment, which was the church I was working at at the time, was about a mile away. I mean, my traffic jams were if, like, a dog walked out into the road. I, it was beautiful. I mean, I went through a neighborhood and, and it was such an easy little commute to work. So in having that car that was paid off, I only carried collision insurance on it. Why? Because I didn't know there was something else coming down the pike. Because, of listen, a little investment in the insurance would have paid off much bigger when I lost the vehicle. In church, we, we fail to understand that the things God is calling us to do and calling us to a deeper place and calling us to step out and witness to people and calling us to, to, to come out of our comfort zone, so to speak, we would be amazed at how we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, I don't want to get into heaven just barely squeaking by or just uh, resting on my laurels. I want to get into heaven sliding sideways with my hair on fire saying, wow, what a trip. I do, y'all. And I want to encourage you that it doesn't matter your age in here. My point is, is that when people heard the voice of God here in John 12 that we're going to read here in just a second, when they heard the voice of God, there were three reactions to it. And I think those reactions kind of mimic the season we're in as a church because when God begins to speak and God begins to move like he's doing in the church across the globe, and what what I kind of envision and what I kind of sense from the Holy Spirit in a much broader way is when God, God almost like crashes like a wave and then it begins to recede. And I think God is just looking at his people saying, are you going to press in for more or are you going to stay where you're at? First Samuel 14 that we'll look at here in a few minutes, Saul had gotten to a place where he was just going to camp out underneath a fruit tree. And church, my point is, this is not the time to camp. It's a time to move on the voice of God. But we can, we can get mixed up when we hear that voice. So if you're in, for, if you're in uh, John, say amen this morning. Amen. So this is John 12 that we're looking at. Look down here at verse 26. You may need to flip the page over. I'll give you a second to do that. This is Jesus, of course, leading up into his crucifixion, which we are coming up on Easter. And on Wednesdays, I want to encourage you if you'd like to partake in that. Uh, had a little confusion. I may have accidentally said Wednesday that we'd be starting Isaiah 53. We're going to break that down in verse-by-verse verse format over the next several Wednesdays. So come and, come and partake of that. But this is Jesus leading up to his Passion Week and the crucifixion. And look at what the Word of God says in verse 26 this morning. 
If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So then in verse 27, Jesus gets vulnerable. He goes from teaching and he gives them a moment of transparency. How many knows it's okay to be transparent when when you have something ahead of you? That's the best thing you could do. We see this right here in verse 27 in our Lord because he's telling them about the Father and where he's going and what what he has ahead to do. Verse 27 says this, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Now watch what happens. He goes into this few-word prayer. In church, our prayers aren't mighty because of the length of the words. They're mighty because of the connection we have with our Father. And he goes into this short prayer. Our prayers aren't powerful because of the length. They're powerful because of who's behind the prayers. Amen? Now watch what happens. He says in verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, wait, an angel has spoken to him. Father, for these next few minutes and moments to this church and our guests here this morning, and by way of those watching online, I pray that your anointing that is already present here would just descend even further into our hearts, that the soil of our hearts would be receptive to the hearing of the word of God, that your Holy Spirit would take that word and create fruit in our lives, Lord. Water the seed, give, give strength to, the, to each person here today. And Lord, as always, anything said of Jason Hanks, let it fall by the wayside. But whatever is said under the unction and anointing of, of Holy Spirit, let it go into the hearts of the people today that you love so dearly and are calling us to a greater place of faith, Lord. Let faith be released in every heart, family, and life and grow greater in this church today. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said. Amen. Now listen to me real close for just a second, okay? On that day that we just talked about, they all heard the same thing. But there were three different definitions to what they heard. If you're taking notes, here they are. Some said it was a form of angels. Jesus found the word of God in the midst of that moment where God's voice came. And here's my question this morning. There is a place in God that he is booming his voice to his people. And my question today is, are you hearing what the Father is speaking? What I love about this story is Jesus prays a very short prayer. And church is not about the length of our prayers. It's about the strength of our prayers. Somebody say amen. And let, let me just talk. Let me give you, this wasn't something I planned on doing. I got up very early this morning and the, the Lord began to just download some things. And again, I was thinking of a waterfall. I was thinking of, of when we see this and we recognize that there were people that were very close to God speaking, but everybody heard it in a different way means that God can be speaking and we can be missing it. And the, I don't pray to God just to pray to God. I pray to get it. I don't pray to get an answer rather or something from God. I pray because I love God and prayer is a form of communication with him. And when the disciples came to Jesus and the book of Luke is a beautiful, as you read through it, and I encourage you to read through that gospel probably as much as any other gospel because 
when you see the book of Luke, it really paints a picture of the prayer life of Jesus. And the disciples would look at Jesus' prayer life and naturally they would say, we want that. We, we desire to have that kind of prayer life. And the thing that amazes me is Jesus didn't so much give like a structure or tell them, well, go pray at this time, even though we know early will I seek thee in Psalms. So there's an early rising that we begin to seek God. I said it last week, my morning time seeking God is me beginning to flap my wings. Amen. So that I can mount up on what God is doing the rest of the, the rest of the day. But when you think about prayer, what Jesus, what Jesus taught his people wasn't so much a format of prayer, but what he pointed to them was the nature and character of God. Why is that important? Because it's less church about the form of prayer and much more about fixing your eyes on God, fixing your eyes on his character, because what he wanted his people to understand is that when you're one of his children, you have a heavenly Father that you can come to for anything. That you can come to to pour out your heart. You can come to to see answers. You can come to... So he gave stories like this. In Luke, he tells a story of a person who needed to feed his kids. And he had guests come in and he had to have food in the house. So the person goes out to a neighbor and beats on the door. This is the ask, seek, knocking of prayer. He beats on the door. And when Jesus always taught about the nature of our Father, our Heavenly Father, He always gave a how much more inside of the teaching. And that was a form of Jewish teaching that would kind of paint a picture of saying, well, like, like in this area, it's like, well, we have good restaurants in Homosassa, but they've got really good ones in Crystal River. Amen? Or how much more... So the how much more of the teaching of Jesus was him usually painting a picture of somebody that didn't want to come answer the door and give them food or an unjust judge that didn't want to see things on behalf of the widow or he used to paint a picture of children coming asking their father for food and he says how much more will our heavenly father give us the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He says, you being evil know how to give good gifts. You know how to give food. What kind of a father, if they asked for a piece of bread, would give them a stone? They asked for fish, would give them a scorpion? How much more? So he always painted a picture, and I think this is so important. When Jesus prays, he's praying from a place of complete and total trust in his heavenly Father. And he's teaching his disciples, you as the children of God, those who have come into the kingdom, you can come to your heavenly Father, pour your heart out to him. And I'll give the same illustration that I gave just a few minutes ago, ago, maybe in a little bit more detail. But if you're standing here looking at this gorgeous, beautiful waterfall, and it's majestic, and it's awesome, and it's beautiful, and it's incredible, and somebody is standing directly across from me, and they see the expression on my face, they see the awe, they see the, 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 the look in my eyes that this is beautiful, this is, this is wonderful. And I think oftentimes as a church, we stand here and we're asking other people what it's like to have a relationship with God, when all we have to do is turn around. Because Jesus wanted to less than give them a format of prayer, introduce them to the person of prayer. So Jesus is here and he's heading towards the cross and he's beginning to lay out what is ahead for him. And he prays this heartfelt prayer of saying, hey, this is the path that God has for me. And he, he right here, he says three things. Jot these down if you're taking notes. Three reactions. 
after Jesus prays. Number one, whenever we hear God's voice, we can either spiritualize it, neutralize it, naturalize it rather, or clarify it. I could probably add a fourth one in there if some people criticize it. Anybody ever criticize when you're hearing the voice of God? Amen. It happens to me. So we can spiritualize it, naturalize it, or clarify it. We can spiritualize it. Some said in the story, in the scripture, some said, oh, it's just angels and do nothing. They just get excited. There must be angels present because we heard this loud clap of thunder. That's what the next group did. They naturalized it. It said in their way, that's, that's just thunder. Or we can clarify it. Everybody say clarify it. Clarify. We can clarify and say, hey, this is the voice of God. And God is starting to speak to us. Church, the season that we're in is God is speaking very clearly to his people. But I think sometimes we do the same thing as found in this scripture in John 12. We can, we can naturalize it, we can spiritualize it, or we can ask God to clarify what thus saith the Lord to the church and thus saith the Lord to the people of God in the season that we're in. Here, here's what I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying over these last few months. God is going to begin to make His voice really clear. Clear about what the next step is for you. Clear of what to do in the situation. How many can use some direction from God in the situation? I want to encourage you this morning is God is speaking and God is going to speak to you about what that. And, and look, I found this out about God. He'll speak pretty loud if he needs to. I would rather hear the still small voice. Amen. I would rather be led by that still small voice. I, I've had God have to really get my attention and I would rather just be led by the, by the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's an awakening to this. Church, there is something more. A voice. A stepping out of your comfort zone so that we can all move further together. Because in the story that we're going to move to here in 1 Samuel, next is a story of the people of God who were just kind of camped out and having a good old time underneath a fruit tree. And I think that is a definition of where not necessarily this church, but I think the church in general is right now, is we just kind of camped out having a good time, but we're not being effective in our neighborhoods and our communities. My, my point of everything I'm saying this morning is I want you, whether you're in here and you're 15 years old, 17 years old, or if you're 70 years old, I want you to continue to take bold steps of faith on what God is speaking for you to do. To make bold steps of faith in what God is calling. I want this church to never get rested in the past, but always keep our eyes upon the future and the outpouring of what God's Spirit says. Of, of looking to the future of the legacy that we're... If you, if you add up everything I've been preaching about over a lot of weeks, this is a legacy church. And it's on us as the people of God who are present here today. And I want to encourage you of this also. We are living in incredible times. It may not look like it, but we're coming up on the Super Bowl of all time where time is going to end and God's going to step into the picture. And I love it because he's going to set everything right. Amen. 
It's coming. So it is time and it behooves us to be close to God, to, to not get mixed up and just say, oh, that's just a bunch of spiritual activity or that's just Pastor Jason telling us that for the hundredth time. I'm telling you, we need to be in tune with what God is saying. We not only need to be in tune with God saying, we can hear God and not mix it with faith and not move in faith because sometimes we're waiting on an angel from heaven and God's wanting his church to get up and get moving into the things that he asked for them. And I'll just say this, as for me and my house, we're going to keep moving forward with Jesus. The story that we're going to look at here in 1 Samuel 14, go ahead and turn there if you would, 1 Samuel 14, and we'll we'll wrap up with some points today that I think will, will keep you focused in the right direction. As you're turning there, I was asked by somebody that's new to the church, this was a few months ago, and I thought, man, that was a bad answer. And I actually was given the opportunity to explain to uh, one half of that couple what I actually meant by what I said. And they asked the question, well, what brought you here? And uh, the the really spiritual answer would have been, well, you know, God visited me and I just knew that I was going to be in Homosassa, Florida and knew that God was going to move me from Louisiana and the position I was in to this position here. I wish I could have said all that. And I said something off the top of my head that I had to go back and think, man, that sounded bad. And I looked at them and I said, the challenge. <laughs> and later on, I thought to myself, man, that just doesn't, that, that, that sounds bad. Because I didn't, I wasn't really able to express my heart. So here a few months later, I was able to have a, a meeting with, with uh, the person that asked me that husband. I said, hey, let me explain something to you. And what I explained to him is what I'm about to say to you. And it's in this story we're getting ready to look at in 1 Samuel 14. It's right here in this story is we all have the tendency in our spiritual lives to put things on cruise control. We all have a tendency in our spiritual lives to to rest on yesterday's accomplishments and our laurels and where we were yesterday. But we have a God that's already in your future. We have a God that's already moving. And sometimes it takes us just to get up in faith and begin to move out on what God had said back here, even though the conditions don't look right. Because what I explained to this person was this. I had become very comfortable in my position and my spiritual life. And listen to me, comfort will kill you. If I don't continually push myself out of my comfort zone, then I'm not going to... And when I stand before Jesus in heaven, I really think that the tears that will shed isn't because he's ready to just blast us. Because the first judgment is the Bema Seat of Christ, which is God's reward ceremony. But I also believe that we as believers will be able to see our whole life laid out before us. And we're going to shed tears because of the missed opportunities. Are you hearing your pastor this morning? There are opportunities that God has before us. And I had a decision to make. In that moment when I'm seeking God, God, do you want me to move there? Do you want me to, to take that position? I met with my pastor. I had people praying for me. I felt a peace in my heart. But there was a temptation period there for several days where I thought, but Lord, I'm so comfortable. I'm so, I could, I mean, I could run the church I was at and I was the administrator over many different hats, but myself and my sister-in-law, the pastor's wife were, we're basically the administrator over all the volunteers on any given Sunday, any given Wednesday. We had about 125 to 150 volunteers that we oversaw and coordinated and did everything with. And 
I, it was on cruise control. I had the right leadership in place. I had the right people in place. Church was growing. I was taken care of. I loved the people. They loved me. I was able to preach and teach and teach classes and ministers, all those things that were fulfilling. But there's something in old Jason Hanks that likes a challenge. And there should be something in you that likes a challenge that God speaks and says, hey, you've gotten a little too comfortable in other words, for you, that may be, you may not even be comfortable coming to church this morning. I see people sitting here that are visiting, and you thought it took everything, you, 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 everything in you to finally get up and get out the door and to even be in church this morning. Guess what? You've now grown in faith. Amen. Some of you have been coming for 35 years and sitting in the same pew. Amen? I'm not, I'm not saying that. Listen, if you stand up and feel the warm spot on your pew, that is not your contribution to the kingdom of God. <laughs> Is everybody hearing, Pastor? It is not. I am not going to allow you to be comfortable just because you accomplished something 10 years ago. I did not allow myself to be comfortable just because I accomplished something 10 years ago. And as we're going to look at this scripture in just a minute, some of you are looking for the loud, thundering voice of God. And he's thundering and he's speaking, but you're just saying, well, wasn't that a great service? Or well, didn't God do this? And didn't God? God wants to speak to you about where he's moving you in faith. If you're not stretching your faith, your faith is atrophy. It's going to shrivel up. Amen? So let's look at our scripture today. In this story, we'll see this. In the First uh, Samuel 13, we see the story of what is happening. And let me give you a little background before we read it. What is happening is Saul has been disobedient again. His son Jonathan is with him. Jonathan, it looks like, is going to take over the kingdom, which God has a completely different plan. He's going to anoint David, and David will be the king. Saul has done some, some, some really bad decisions and bad mistakes, and he had about 30,000 troops. And as we pick up in the story, we're going to read it here in a minute, the 30,000 has now become 600. And Saul is leading an army of 600 and heading towards an army of 30,000. Philistines, who, as a spiritual analogy in the Old Testament, whenever you learn about the Philistines and the things the Philistines were doing, it's a spiritual parallel of we always have an enemy that is waiting around the corner to try to trip us up, to try to keep us back from everything God has for us. But my point this morning is God has something more for you, but you're going to have to get up and move in faith. I say this all the time. I've said it probably 50 times since I've been here. I'm going to say it again. You cannot steer a parked car. You can't. And I think we're kind of like of the ilk that we're almost like my kids. I remember we put a little, uh, when we were in the car, the car seat was here. And we put a little toy on the car seat that was uh, one of the little steering wheels. Plastic. And that annoying little beep, beep horn. I'm like, i got to take the batteries out of that thing, Leah. I can't handle that anymore. And they're back. You see, I think our spiritual lives parallel that. My kids thought they were driving down the road. But they weren't. Dad was doing it. And that's a, spirit, that's a spiritual analogy, too. All God's asking you to do is to get in the car. Have the faith to get in the car with him. And he's got a destination for this church. He's got a destination for your family. He's got a destination. Some of you have had God lay it on your heart to go on this mission trip. And you're just like, I just can't. I don't know how I'm going to get the money. I don't know. Can I tell you, God's will, God's bill. It's the truth. If God calls you to do it, he is going to give you the resources to complete it. This church is growing, and we need to look for, for the future. Can I tell you something this morning? That, that's, that's on God's agenda. I don't have to figure that out. You don't have to figure that out. Amen? God's going to figure it out. 
God's going to lead us. But if we stay in a place of a comfort zone, then we're not being and doing everything God has for us. And Jonathan comes along, and he has his armor bearer with him in the story. And let's pick it up here in verse number 1 of chapter 14. 1 Samuel 14, verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Now again, he had thousands. Now he's down to 600 because he made a bad mistake. So they're, they're here. They're sitting underneath a fruit tree, hanging out. The enemy is ahead. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Everybody say maybe. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. This is my challenge today. This is the big idea. This is the challenge for everybody in this room. This is the moment that we are not going to be afraid of the odds, swayed by what we see, who may seem for us or who may seem to be against us or what happens under the tree. Because church, I came to tell you something this morning. God has never needed a majority in order to change things. God has never needed a majority in order to pour out revival. God has never needed a majority even in a country to see His will done. And I know I'm looking at a group of people that looks around at the condition of our country and say, God, we need you, but we need to understand that God's also crying back to His church, and I need you to step out. Number one this morning, everybody say maybe. A maybe was enough for them to move forward. Listen, how often do we wait in our spiritual lives for perfect circumstances? How often do we wait for that perfect circumstance, for that just the right moment and right time? I came to tell you something this morning, that oftentimes the circumstances will never look perfect for you to step out in faith on God. We're waiting on the perfect circumstance. We're waiting on everything to line up. Jonathan says in verse 6, maybe the Lord will help us. And listen, if I'm Jonathan's armor bearer, I'm probably not going to move on a maybe. Amen? Uh, By the way, there's 30,000 of them and there's two of us, Jonathan. Don't be afraid, church, of what you see in this country and the day we're living in because God will have His day and He will have His say. I'm always wanting a thus saith the Lord. Amen? When I moved here, I wanted a thus saith the Lord. And I finally just had to say, God, if if you're in it, then maybe you'll bless. Come on. Some of you are waiting on the perfect thing. There is no such thing as the perfect thing. There's faith. There's a faith in God, a faith in His plan, a faith in His purpose. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 5, it says that they had 30,000 war chariots and 6,000 cavalry troops. And it said that the soldiers were as numerous as the grains of the sand on Clearwater Beach. To put it in today's vernacular. This is the challenge that I see in this that I've operated on many times. And, And look, many times I've had just this assurance, this supernatural faith the supernatural understanding. But there's been just as many times where I have prayed 
And it has taken a step of faith for me to move into what God has for me. Listen, if you're going to move, and that's what God's calling everybody to do, move to a new place in Him, move to a a new place of relationship in Him, move to a deeper level of faith. It's always going to be moving forward on faith. That's how all this works. Faith. Everybody say faith. Moving on a maybe. Amen? Sometimes you just have to move on a maybe. Sometimes you get that doctor's report and it sounds really bad, but can I tell you? Sometimes you just say, hey, maybe God's going to heal. Come on. Listen to me. You've got to begin to move on a maybe and begin to apply the Word of God in your life. He had a maybe, and it was enough for him to move forward. Listen, I have had some of the greatest times of fruit and growth in my life. Some of the greatest fruit has become because I stepped out on God's Word that didn't come to me, church, just necessarily in some kind of a powerful thunder. But I saw His Word in the Word, and that is enough to step out on because God's Word will never fail. Never fail. So what's my point in saying that? Sometimes we don't even need a maybe. Sometimes you just need to do what God already said to do in His Word. He's not going to double up His Word. Amen? He said go into all the world and make disciples. We already have the go. But I think what we do is like Jonathan's armor bearers. Like, Jonathan, that sounds great. Go, and I'll stay here. Right? Here I am, Lord. Send my friend. Right? I've been there. See, what we want from God when we feel a nudge of Him to, to, to do something in faith is we want the details and the cost. Amen? Yeah. And, and Jonathan and his armor bearer looked at the situation the right way. They said, yes, we are outnumbered and somebody has to do something about this. And we often say, well, here I am, Lord, send everybody else when God's calling you. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you're taking notes. Everyone starts at the fruit tree. Very few leave it. Everyone starts at the fruit tree, but there's very few that leave it. Verse 2, and Saul was sitting. In other words, here's, here's the picture I, I imagine of Saul in this story. He's sitting around the fruit tree. He's enjoying the fruit tree. He's enjoying the, 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 the people around him. It says in verse 3, Ahijah, the son of Atub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. The people did not know that Jonathan had gone. He's wearing an ephod. In other words, they were doing church. That's, that's the Old Testament example. Ephod was, they had a, a pastor present. They had somebody present where they're all just kind of huddled around doing church. And listen... This is what I love about Jonathan and the same type of spirit that I want to have my entire life and I want you to have also, is he was not content just to sit around doing nothing while the enemy was having its way right across the river. He was not content to just sit around and allow the enemy to have victory after victory. And my point is, is that I could stand before you today and say, if we as Christians begin to rise up with the Word of God in our mouths and the Spirit of God on the inside of us, we don't need a lot. We just need a few that will be brave and step out in faith. Because, listen, courage is contagious, church. And the church has been so beaten up and beaten down and tried to be politically correct for so long. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching the truth to you today. 
that if you don't think a handful of people in Homosassa, Florida could turn Homosassa, Florida upside down, you don't know your God. Amen. It only takes a few. It takes a remnant. It takes people sold out to Him that aren't comfortable under the fruit tree, but pressing into everything God has. You know, I was watching a documentary. It's been a while back, especially when football season's not on. I'm one of those weird ones that just watches NFL channel for no reason. Like just, all that game happened 30 years ago. Let me watch it. That's, that's really awful, but it's true. And there was a documentary that came on one time, and it was about a person named Pat Tillman. And Pat Tillman was a safety for the Arizona Cardinals, and he made millions. And he was, he was a phenomenal football player, phenomenal football player. And uh, after 9-11, he felt like he wanted to, to let go of the contract and the millions and millions and millions of dollars and to join the armed forces because, listen, there was something greater to fight for and to lay his life down for than what he was presently doing. How many people would be bold enough to say, and I'll raise my hand first, how many people would say you would lay aside millions of dollars to go walk in sand and defend our country? Amen? That's tough. But look, they're, listen, they're naming bridges and streets after this man. You know why? Because we always honor the courageous. We always honor those who lay themselves and their lives down for a greater purpose. And God is calling the church to lay themselves down for a purpose that is much bigger and higher than ourselves. And that's called the truth of God's word. That is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I could get you to become the type of person that's not comfortable where you are now, but points yourself and positions yourself to even if it's just a maybe. Listen, I've, I've stepped out on a lot of maybes in my life, and I've d- discerned and developed how to operate in the Word of God and how to step out in faith in my life and how to move in faith. But I've stepped out. In those points, but my point is, a crisis either calls out hero, it calls out heroes, or it calls us to safety. And church, the days that are ahead in the world and in the church is going to need people to step out in boldness on the word of God, no matter the consequence, no matter the cost. And is God calling His church to the difficult? Yes, He is. Reaching this community with the love of God is difficult. Reaching this area when you have so many things battling for people's attention is difficult. I knew it when I came. I knew it when God sent me here. But I just want to reassure you that I'm more committed to ever to seeing Homosasso reach for Jesus Christ. But I need you. I don't need you under the fruit tree having church. I need you to have the spirit of Jonathan to says, Hey, who are these uncircumcised Philistines sitting over here? Who And again, spiritual analogy, spiritual enemy. There are a lot of spiritual enemies that have had a heyday and set themselves up in this county. Number one, a spirit of poverty that has enthroned itself over this area. And we prayed against it and we've come against it. A spirit of addiction that's over this area. All the things that have set themselves up. Listen, when the church is right on the precipice of its greatest breakthrough is when things get the hardest and the most difficult. But we need to continue to press in and press through because I do not want to stay under the fruit tree enjoying the ephod and the fruit and all because that's where Saul was. Saul was called to lead the people of God. And I'll tell you this, if there are pastors and leaders that won't lead the God in truth, God will remove them and begin to set up people that will boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and his truth. 
Because this isn't a time to be comfortable. It's a time to step out in faith. So Jonathan says, maybe God will deliver. Maybe God will come through for us. And I don't have to say a maybe today. God is going to come through for his people. Number three is this. So you can move on a maybe. Don't wait for perfect conditions. Don't, don't wait for that perfect moment to go talk to your neighbor about Jesus. Don't wait for that perfect moment to sow a seed of faith, of finances, whatever it is that God's challenging you to do. Don't wait on the perfect moment because I found this in my life. If I'd have waited on perfect moments to move out in faith, I would have never moved Amen. in anything God told me to do. Number three is this. Earthquakes come after commitment. What's that mean? The earthquake that happened to deal with the enemies is the miracle of the story that we're talking about. Jonathan and the armor bearer, they move on maybe. They leave the tree, the comfort zone. And then God shows up through an earthquake. Look at verse 15 again. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earthquake, so that it was a very great trembling. So some really cool things happen in the rest of the story, church. First, God never said, if you go, I'll send an earthquake. That didn't happen. Sometimes we go not knowing what the end result will be. But I do know, as I've talked this whole morning, what I do know is that through prayer and through communion with God, because I don't pray to get answers, I pray to commune with the one who is my Father. And what I've discovered is His character and His integrity, and His name is the name that is above all names. And when I look at Him and understand Him, I do know this. You don't know what the end result may be, but I do know who my God is. And my God is good, my God is faithful, my God is righteous, my God is holy, and this, my God is powerful. And I talked about it last week, but let me say it again. The same analogy is true. Those little eagles get up on the side of the nest, and they begin to partake of every And if God is doing nothing else in this season, he's opening a door of opportunity, a door of understanding of how he wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh and to bless his church and to raise us up as a mighty army that can see change in our communities. And he has he has done that for us. And we're looking this way and God's invitation has just come, but it's going going to take a step of faith. Amen. And they didn't know that the earthquake was going to happen. They just operated in faith. And anytime you're operating in faith and what God has said in His written word or what He's spoken to you deep in your heart that becomes a rhema word for you that you're standing on, I came to encourage you this morning that the earthquake is going to come. The earthquake is going to come in our nation. It is, and it's going to shake the enemy to his core. The earthquake is going to come in this community, and it's not going to look the same in five years as what it does right now, because we got a group of people that are going to move on maybe. Maybe God will do it. Let's step out and see if he does it. Amen? Amen. This is it. After he stepped out on a maybe and the earthquake came, all of Israel's army began to gather themselves and say, what are we doing under a fruit tree when the enemy's right across the river? What are we doing hanging back when there's still a world that's going straight to hell? What are we doing just having more night church services when the world is in the condition that it is? I don't blame the world. I blame the condition of His church. Earthquakes come after you leave your comfort zone is my point. 
The earthquake and the Spirit of God moving always comes after we step out in faith. It's those moments, church, where we say yes to God before we ever know how it's going to come out. I said something to the Lord 23 years ago when I first received His call into where He was taking me. I didn't know. I didn't know where it was going to lead. But I told him this, and he took me seriously. Be careful what you tell God. He will take you seriously. I said, Lord, before you ever even ask, the answer is yes. Before you ever even speak, the answer is yes. And when you live that way, then what God knows that whatever He is calling you to do, even if it is difficult, He knows that you're going to step out. He knows that you're going to move. Alexis and Buddy, why don't you guys come and come up here to the piano and just begin to entertain the presence of the Lord. They have some funny names for different animal groups, don't they? You know what a, a group of crows is, is named? Anybody? A murder of crows. Amen. Murder. Murder of crows. I don't look at crows the same after I learned that. I don't. You know what rhinoceros are called? A gang of rhinoceros. Interesting, here's the interesting thing about a rhinoceros. They can run up to 31 miles per hour. But they can't see more than 30 feet ahead. The interesting thing about a rhinoceros when they do charge is they don't stop every 30 feet and try to see ahead. They just keep on charging. My point with everything I've said today is some of you hear God. It's clear, the clarity of God's Word, just like in the story we talked about in John 12. God's voice came, and some naturalized it. You come into a service, and God's moving, and you're just like, oh, that's just that really hyped-up group of people over there at Christian Center Church. Or they are angels. They spiritualize it. Oh, it was good. Angels are here. God's voice always comes to, A, I believe, reassure us of who He is, but also to spur us to come together so we can move forward. And a lot of you have have heard the voice and you've begun to move, but you're stopping every 30 feet to see if you can keep going. Listen to me. 30 feet for some of you was just coming to church today. Amen? 31 feet may be you going to your neighbor to tell them about the Lord. Are you hearing me? 30 feet for some of you is beginning to do the work to heal your marriage, right? 31 feet that God's taking you is He will heal yours and He will turn you around to help heal somebody else's. We always want to see so much further ahead of us than what God usually allows. And I've learned something about our Heavenly Father that may help you today. I said, Lord, why don't you just show me everything's going to happen the next 25 years of my life. I felt like he said no. Because you would see all the defeats and get so discouraged you would never move forward, Jason. He said, and you would see all the victories in the times that I came through 
and get so big-headed <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to deal with you. It's called a walk of faith. And Jonathan looked at the people of God who were called by God and anointed by God and chosen by God to defeat the enemy, and they were having a party under a fruit tree, comfortable, sitting back, waiting on something else to happen. I, can I tell you as your pastor, I'm tired of watching the world go to hell in a handbasket and just watching it from a distance. The things that are going on in our country need true people of God to finally stand up and say enough is enough. And listen to me. We step out on faith and God meets us with His power. We step out on what He's telling us to do and the earthquake comes. And I think this old world, especially the United States of America, are looking for people to stand up with some courage in their hearts courage in their soul and to finally stand up against the demonic agenda of the enemy and we look around and we say man it's only 600 of us and there's 30,000 of them honey God does not need but one (laughs) he just needs one Elijah He just needs one man or woman of God to finally stand up. And listen, everything we say and we do is to be in love. But I think we've kind of wrecked on the love side of the road and not understand God has a truth. Truth without love is just mean. Love without truth will never change a single person. So... If you stand up with me this morning. Talked about nests last week. Talked about becoming like God. And how God will knock us off the edge of the nest sometimes. Some of you are in a very uncomfortable season of your life. And I assured you last week, it is God preparing you for the more that He has. Today I felt on my heart that some of you just need to Literally, and this isn't a physical thing today, it's a spiritual thing that you need to get in your mind and your heart, is God wants you to step out in faith. And you may say, God, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen when I finally just tell that person that's so mean and horrible to me at work that God loves them and has a plan and purpose for their lives. If you're here today and you say, ah, God doesn't love those people. Yes, He does. Yes, He does. There's nobody you will come in contact with and look them in the face that Jesus didn't die for because for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whomsoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then we always forget verse 17, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Amen? He came so that we can have a relationship with the Father. And church, if you're in here today and you've never started that relationship, it's as easy as ABC. Amen. You acknowledge that you're a sinner. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you confess with your mouth that He is Lord. So bow your head and close your eyes right here in this moment. Let me ask that question. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. You may have been in a season where things are uncomfortable, things that you used to do. 
are just piercing your heart. That is God working in your life. And let me tell you something, and you may not say it. Thank God that He continually comes and, and shows us the error of our ways. But for God, if it wasn't for your grace, where would I be, Lord? So this is the question. You know the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart this morning. I want to give you an invitation to do exactly what I just said, to step out in faith, to step out and put your faith in a person, a heavenly father that loves you and has a plan for your life. So I want to ask you that question. Would you acknowledge the call and the moving of the Holy Spirit in your heart and say, Lord, I'm going to lay everything down to you today so that I can step out in faith into your plan and into your purpose. Would you shoot your hand up if there's anybody here? Amen, amen. 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 We have about six people that want to give their heart to Jesus right here this morning. God, we thank you. Thank you. And it really is, listen, listen to me. It really is that simple that God made it that if we acknowledge that we've fallen short of the glory of God and everybody in this room has if we acknowledge that we have sin and you may say ah you know I don't sin I listen if, if if you've told one lie a year and you're 75 years old I wouldn't want to step before a holy perfect God with 75 things on my record how much more do some of us have 75,000 come on It's not about your goodness. It's about His. It's not about what you can do to get to God as God came to you. Let me lead those who prayed or lifted their hand just a minute ago. Pray with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge this day that you have made that I have sinned against you and against others. I ask you today today to forgive me, to to wash me clean. clean. I confess that you are Lord, Lord. and I confess that you are Savior. Savior. Come into my life, life. change my heart, heart. in Jesus' name. name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. You have something, Leah? Leah's going to tell you all how bad your kids were. No, <laughs> no, no. They were actually very good. I had the yes. first and second and third grade. Um, I forgot to mention the movie. We have the movie yes. today. We have the whole that. theater rented at 3.30 at Spring Hill 8. That's down 19. If you don't know where it is, we can help you. You can Google it. It's $10 a person. We only have about, whichever way, we only have not good directions. We only have about 25 signed up and we have 50 seats. So if you would like to come, you can pay when you get there. It's, we've heard it's a great movie. I would love for everybody. If you have teenagers, I heard it's great for kids, everybody. So if you would like to go meet us there at 3.30. If you want to get there just a little bit early, we'll be in the foyer. It'll just be our church in the theater. And they have reclining seats, so come enjoy it. Hey, come take a long nap. You see me? I'm going to have a blanket. We decided last week we're bringing blankets, y'all. Pastor may kick his shoes off, but I've heard this is a wonderful movie. I think it's right perfectly timed by God to encourage his people that, Jesus, you did it then. Lord, do it again. Amen. Hey, lift your hands with me. I want to bless you today. Father, I ask for your richest, most awesome blessings upon the people of God today. 
Lord, may they be blessed going in and may they be blessed as they go. May they be blessed in their work and may they be blessed in their homes. Father, I pray a hedge of protection around each one. That, Lord God, your holy angels would surround us, go before us, and hem us in from the rear with your holy presence. Lord, under the shadow of your wings we dwell. So we believe that with all the turmoil going on in the world continually, that we are covered by the grace and mercy of God. Father, let that grace, mercy, and peace be upon the people of God this day that you have made. We will rejoice. And, Father, focus on you in it. Help us to step out in faith in greater ways and not stay in a comfort zone, Lord. We love and praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nobody told you they love you today. Your pastor loves you dearly. Go have a beautiful day.